Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We have a bit of a different episode for you today. Uh, We got a chance to catch up with Adam Hadwin and Dylan Meyer at the Callaway ad shoot a couple weeks ago out in California. Got a little bit of time with both, about 20 minutes with each player. These are not intense interviews. We just kind of set up some microphones and just had some good chats with those guys. Talked with Adam about his 59 and a bunch of other stuff about Canada and got to know Dylan Meyer, who is an up-and-coming professional player, just turned pro this past year, finished 20th at the U.S. Open as an amateur at Shinnecock Hills this year, uh, a standout at the University of Illinois. So this was a lot of fun. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned to both of those episodes. And on the way in, it's not too late to go to callawaygolf.com slash gift guide. They've got a ton of good stuff on here. I was surprised. First of all, whoever designed this thing, we need to like, Callaway needs to just like pay us in web services because this thing is beautiful. Take this, if you need any last minute gift ideas, take this and just send this link to whoever is getting you a gift. Rogue drivers are now $3.99 on there. They got vintage head covers for like 25 bucks. They got all these backpacks. Callawaygolf.com slash gift guide. It is not too late, uh, but get on it now as the holidays are coming up soon. On a programming note, this was our last full podcast of the year. We're going to have a couple highlight slash clip shows that will be coming out. Uh, over the Christmas break, and uh, then we're going to roll right into the new year, pick up where we left off. Thanks to everyone for tuning into this one and for tuning in all year, and we'll do kind of more of a year-end wrap-up on those final couple podcasts the rest of the way. So thanks to Dylan and Adam for the time, and up first is Mr. Adam Hadwin. What about before before you married fairly recently, right? Yeah, a couple years ago. So what before that, I mean, you've been on tour for quite a while now. This will be my fifth year. So as a single guy on tour and i don't mean that in like you know going out and chasing women way but as a single guy like traveling alone what what was <laughs> Steered that around here no dude. no no i'm serious <laughs> what? Just, he's trying to avoid that topic no, 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 with the no, wedding no. ring i've got no, on no, now no, but no. i can see i can see what he's really getting no, after not, here. not at all I'm, I'm saying like traveling alone has to be a, just a weird feeling i would think and it's curious what that was yeah like. i mean it, it's completely different than you know traveling with your wife and dog that's for sure yeah um you know, you know, I came through the Canadian tour and the Web.com tour. You, you know, spent a lot of time with roommates and and stuff like that on those tours. So you always had somebody to go dinner with. You usually had a bunch of a group of guys that you travel with because nobody travels with families out there. Um, exactly. Speaking of your fifty nine, uh, I've been wanting you to tell the story on the podcast because we talked about it some when we were in Korea. Uh, so I want I want to kind of walk me through the round, and again, we're going to get to the thought process you had when you got to the eighteenth hole. That talk about like being in the zone, how you got into that zone, what when you start thinking about it, all the stuff about the fifty nine. Yeah. Um, so this was twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen crew builder third round. We're at La Quinta, and and obviously it's a tournament where everybody goes low. You know, sixty three, sixty four or sort of nothing around that tournament and got off to a good st- I ended up uh, I birdied six in a row in the front from number two through seven two through seven thank you yeah you got me um, <laughs> two through two through seven and it was you know you got a couple par fives you got irons in and, and stuff like that I so I you know I, I, I putted one in with a hybrid during that you know made a couple putts and 
Um, but even being seven under through nine, you're like, okay, well, somebody else is five under through nine, you know, probably beside me or another golf course. So, okay, whatever. No, no big deal. Um, and then I, uh, I birdied the par five. Was that 11? I guess mm-hmm. birdie par five, 11 to get to eight. And again, still, you're still on the eight under at this point. And then I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of only, course. Only, yeah, yeah. Only, yeah. right. Listen, yeah. Been there. Um, but I, I'm sure that, you know, and, and I'm sure fellow pro, you know, tour pros can attest to this, you know, a bunch of rounds you get eight nine under through 12 13 14 and they never pan out yeah <laughs> uh, you know they kind of just go sour from there um and so i birdied par um the par 312 and i and i looked at my cat and he said okay well four more to go and he go and he looked right back at me and he goes let's just focus on the next hole I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no no seriously four more to go like come on i mean might as well right and I've, I've had a bunch of rounds where you kind of joke around about it. You're like, all right, we're playing well. Ha ha, four more to go, whatever. And then, you know, you make a couple bogeys and you're like, all right, well, that was long lived. <laughs> but, um, you know, I made like a 20 footer on the par five, which like, okay, this is kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> the birdies before that though, were they like hero putts or were you just no, solid golf? No, it was a little bit in between. Yeah. You know, I made a, like a couple 20 footers and hit a couple close and yeah. kind of a little mix of everything. Um, so we go to, so I birdie... 13, the other par five, so now I'm 10 under. Um, the next hole is actually a good par four. 14 is a good par four looking to one of their more challenging holes. And um, I hit 600 like 25 feet, 30 feet or something, and that one goes in. I'm like, okay, this is getting a little, <laughs> this is getting a little weird now. Like those putts, you know, like I said, you, you get to eight under or something, and then you hit a couple to 20, 30 feet, you miss, and the round kind of fizzles out. Well, those ones go in. I'm like, okay. This is par 72. Par this 72. Is, yeah. So I've got to do some work still. Yeah. Um. So I and and after every hole and after every birdie, I kind of just nudge my caddy a little bit and hire three more, <laughs> you know, two more. Um. And at this point, I think after I make those two birdies, he's kind of thinking like. Uh, this is getting a little strange, but yeah, two more. <laughs> um, good par three in the next 15. Hit a good shot to like 12, 15 feet behind the hole, and it was like a slider left to right. And I can remember standing over the putt, obviously knowing that I was 10 under, knowing that I had four holes left, and I'm like, do not three putt this. This is the point in the round <laughs> where in previous times when you've played well, you would get too aggressive and you would three putt. And you would ruin your round. Do not three. Like, I don't even care if you make it. Just don't three putt it. Get the speed right. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of narrowed in the focus. Like, just get the speed right. And I did. And it went in. Um, so we got to. I'm going to start telling myself God, not to three putt. I four putt usually. Well, so here's, <laughs> a, here's, a, here's the difference though, right? I'm telling myself not to three putt. And then before I hit the putt, I'm telling myself good speed. speed yeah. Right? Yeah. So you got to refocus okay. that energy yeah. in. Sure. You know, so it's okay before, but you got to find something else. You got to go positive just before you hit. I kind of think maybe you might be a better putter than us too. That might help. <laughs> um, I actually, one of my best shots today was on 16. I hit it in like 10, 12 feet. And the first hole, the cameras show up, of course, too, right? So <laughs> You could feel them coming. Of course. Um, so I got like 12 feet to get to 13 under. I just missed, hit a good putt, didn't break something, whatever. So You didn't three putt? I didn't three putt. Exactly. <laughs> Tapped in. Okay. So we got a 17. And Comfy par. So I need I need one more birdie in the last two holes, um, and I'm gonna probably have mid irons into both of them. Ended up hitting a great shot in a 17, probably pushed it a little bit, uh, playing a little bit further left of the right pin, but hit it to like seven feet, and it was probably the most nervous I'd been all day because seven feet is the length where 
you should make mm-hmm. it, but it's just long enough where if you don't hit a perfect putt, it's not going in. And of course the read was like left edge. So for a right hander, you easily just nudge that a little, hit it a little bit too hard, all that stuff. Um, so it shakily went in um, to get to 13. And so, yeah, and I mean, now I'm here standing on 18T with, uh, at 13 under and you, it's crazy because you go from a mindset of, okay, I got four more, three more, two more. Now I hit it. And instead of thinking, well, let's just get one more. Yeah. I'm thinking, don't screw up. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever shot 14 under in a PGA Tour. And, Do you and, know that? Are you thinking no, that? No, I, I wasn't thinking that. Well, I, it's so funny, right? Because you're on the, you know, like I said, back on 12, I'm like, okay, well, we got four more. And then we got three more. And then I hit it. And no longer was I was like... It's like I was content with par at this point now, right? It's like, okay, I've got this number. I don't yeah. I don't need to go lower than this. I mean, I've already got it. Let's just protect it. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's an iron off the tee anyway, which helps. Um, so I hit it down the middle. It was not me, if you replay the blog broadcast, that dropped the F-bomb on live TV. Uh, it was not me. People said it was me. I swear on my life it was not me. Um, I would never drop the F-bomb hitting the middle of the fairway especially when I'm 13 under at this point. Um, But uh, so I've got eight iron into the green, maybe a little bit juiced up or something, kind of hit a little bit long. It stops just before the bunker, which makes the, you know, the, the green side shot way easier, chipped it to three feet. Um, And here I am sitting at three feet. So um, I, it was either Colt's amateur partner or my amateur partner cans like a 58 footer from the front of the green. You know, Colt, who hadn't made a putt all day, makes like a 30-footer for birdie. Um, And here I am sitting at three feet for 59, thinking like this hole has just shrunk (laughs) to like nothing after watching these long putts go in. Um, And I can remember sitting back behind the putt like, do not screw this up. Like the cameras have come out. You know, the crowd has come out. Like this is potentially could be your only shot in your golfing history to shoot this number like do not screw this up <laughs> wonderful swing thought. just incre- in a, in a incredible getting in the mind of a I professional know. so um but this is, this is where i say you got a segment to being positive yeah so after i got that out of the way i went into being like okay you've done this a thousand times same routine just get up there luckily i chipped it down to where it was like a straight in uphill so i had room to pull or push it just a little (laughs) bit um but you know it it went in and uh, a lot of relief and and stuff so it was just uh it was just one of those rounds where it it didn't matter what i did Uh, you know like i said those 20 25 footers 30 footers it it didn't matter. It went in. So you did, you ended up finishing second that week. Yeah. How do you look back at that week compared to you won the Valspar two months later? How do you look back at the two of them? Is it bittersweet the fifty nine because you didn't end up winning? Yeah, it's it's definitely bittersweet. Um, How do you follow up a fifty nine? Was it could you sleep after that? I mean, what, what's that like? <laughs> well, I mean, I was in a position where um, I had basically just gotten myself back into the tournament. I think I entered Sunday with maybe a one shot lead. I think that's correct. Um, anyway, so we were back in the final group and I mean, I had no time to really let what just happened sink in. I had to, I had to focus. I had to, to get, cause I wanted to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really wasn't until I kind of had an off week a few weeks later that, you know, that sunk in. I think it was, um, 
just so focused on, you know, I didn't want to be the guy that shot 59, didn't win. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm the guy that shot 59, <laughs> didn't win. But that happens so, more frequently than you'd think. Yeah, I mean, what Justin did at Sony was impressive, you know, to go and shoot 59 and then carry that through and win Sony. That, I mean, that's incredible. Um, so I, I obviously wanted to go out and close it out. I just didn't, you know, play well enough. Hudson played well, and um, I made a couple putts and did some good things coming down the stretch to keep some pressure on, just wasn't able to, to get it done. How would you compare coming down the stretch on the 59, coming down the stretch at Valspar? Uh, pretty similar. I honestly, I felt more comfortable coming down the stretch at Valspar having gone through that 59. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew was what it to still, expect. Was it still don't screw this up or was it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually didn't the have any of out. that. I didn't actually didn't have any of that at Valspar. There was like this. That's so, that's so wild. I know. And, and it's funny. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I've it's, never thought about it like that. You know, it, it's funny. Um, it's so hard to describe, but I had this sense of calmness uh, all week. And, and I know a lot of guys talk about that. Like, oh, I felt really in control and, and that sort of thing about my game. But I really did. You know, I mean, I, I pumped it in the water on 16 with a two-shot lead and lost it all. But I never felt out of control. It was like, well, that was my, I hadn't hit a really horrible shot all week and got penalized. And unfortunately, it just happened in the worst possible time. But, you know, it, it, I hit it in the water and I'm like, okay, well, what do I have to do to make the lowest score possible here? And that's where my mind went to. And that's where the focus was. I mean, I certainly didn't expect to win on 18. Um, you know, the way we were kind of both playing there and Patrick had obviously played some really good golf that day. Um, it was a bit of a shock to to only have to make par to win on 18 but you know he got his win um was it later that year or the, the following year at at, uh, at vegas so yeah it was pretty crazy i think neil's got some canada questions he wanted to ask you well Let's adam and i were, were talking earlier i lived outside toronto yeah for two years and you're canadian yes from just outside vancouver okay yeah. so have a few questions about canada for you Great. Okay. I, I bet I can, you've I, never had to speak about I hope about. I can answer these. Otherwise, they're going to look real bad. <laughs> they're not like trivia no, questions. Well, trivia. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So, kick it off. Simple one. Uh, do you prefer bags or cartons of milk? Uh, I do cartons. But people do bag milk. There is a such thing as a bag milk, and I do remember it as a kid, yes. Why? That's well, I had we got bag milk as a, as a kid. When you I, did? But why? The Schuster's were a bag family? Well, yeah, we put it in this, like dispenser in the fridge and it was just like i don't know why they did it but my brother and i have always ours was ours wondered was, about the bag milk thing ours was just as simple as like this plastic jug that we you know you cut the edge off exactly the, yeah you exactly. cut the edge off the bag milk and you pour it out that seems so yeah. unnecessary just have a it's carton. Just, maybe yeah. it's more eco-friendly i don't know yeah whatever it is it's disruptive <laughs> and, and i think we can all agree on that I'm, and i like it um have you ever had an interaction with the mounties no Never been, no, no. Canadian I have never been police. in trouble with the law. No. Okay. I was pulled over in Canada recently <laughs> and it was, it was a Do very, you know? yeah, it, but it was like the most polite experience of my life. It was like, it sounds like a cliche and it sounds yeah. like, you know, I've, it's like a Canadian stereotype, but it was a very delightful stereotype. It was a lady cop. She, you, she pulled me over. Did you still over. get a ticket? I got a mega ticket, yeah. <laughs> like an absolute got your money. mondo but, but, ticket. But you yeah. felt good about getting the ticket. I did. And you're I, like, okay, well, I can handle it. Well, this. I was going like like probably 35 over. So you were doing the miles an hour and what the kilometers Well, no, said. so I said that because we, like, <laughs> we had kind of like a good rapport going back and forth. And we're both like... Oh, you could get away with something. Like it was, I was high enough over that I'm like, well, I'm not going to... Like I'm going to get a ticket. And I very much should get a ticket. Like you that's like, totally hey, fine. I can't believe I was going there. Well, so I was very nice. She was very nice. And at the end, I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'd, 
I don't suppose you know I could I could possibly convince you that I thought this was miles per hour instead of kilometers per hour. And she's like, well, I can see your speedometers in my, in kilometers per hour. <laughs> so no, I don't I don't think that's gonna work. What kind I'm of like, rig okay. were you driving? Uh, it was like a. I don't know. There's no free no free ads on this podcast. <laughs> it, was a, it was a mid-size SUV. It was a BMW. <laughs> yeah, it was a BMW. Well played. Yeah. Well played. <clears throat> uh, all right, ski or snowboard? Um, I actually never grew up doing either, but if I had to choose, I'd be bored. Okay. Yeah. So out in Vancouver, what were, what were the activities of choice outside of um, You know, we did get up on the lake. I did a, a small amount of wakeboarding with some friends up in Kelowna. Vancouver, just kind of enjoy the enjoy the outdoors. A lot of hiking, a lot of good hiking in Vancouver. Getting downtown, I, I played a lot of sports growing up, so okay. that kept me busy. You play hockey? I never played hockey. That was no. one sport I never got to play. Okay, um, I still to this day um, like hold it against my parents. Hockey fan? Of course. Yeah, Vancouver Canucks. Canucks. Yep. Okay, so Canucks, Flames, Oilers, Jets. Who wins the Stanley Cup? Well, of course I'm going to say Canucks. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, Do you that, really think that? that's like betting with my, my heart. Yeah. My head. Always a good idea. Eh. I'm not going to even mention another Canadian team winning but the Canucks on this podcast. Keep the other teams out yeah. of your mouth. Exactly. Well, okay, so favorite hockey player of all time? Pavel Burra. Okay. Yeah. Don't know him. So you're doing well in the trivia. <laughs> Russian, yeah, yeah. Russian, Russian Rocket. Really? Yeah. He's, He's like, guy. yeah, yeah. Like 90, 94 Canucks made a run. Um, they were game seven against the Rangers. They lost. That was that was kind of his time. Rush or Neil Young? It's not my genre. Really? Yeah, I, I hate to, I hate to say it, but it's not. Arcade okay. Fire or Alanis Morissette? <laughs> <laughs> Again, what is your genre? Not my genre. <laughs> um, I actually grew up in like as a, like an Eminem guy. Okay. Growing yeah. up, DMX, Eminem. Yeah. In high school, I did a lot of hardcore rap like that. Um, <laughs> I know you, judging by Drake my, my or sponsor any other Canadian golf rapper. shirt right now. Um, <laughs> Enough with the, the stereotypes so about Canadians. Is that, is, that what <laughs> you, is that what you'd be on the range with? No, I'm all, I've moved into like kind of a, like a mainstream EDM stuff. So a lot okay. of like Calvin Harris and not the, not the hardcore beat. Uh, only beat type of EDM, but sort of the the lyric, the lyrical EDM stuff, the top forty that everybody hates. That stuff I like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like Dylan's a DJ out there. So yeah, yeah exactly. You get caught yeah. up with Dylan. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. We'll have to do it. Okay, and last lightning round question: Do you speak French? Uh, un petit. Okay. Do you know the national anthem in French? Not in French. Not. I can. I mean, I've spent so much time in the U.S. and yeah. I'm married an American. I hate to say this to any Canadian listeners, but I, I would might struggle with the Canadian anthem at this point. Okay. <laughs> I know it's it's. I hate to admit it, uh, but I'm a, I'm a fair man. I can take it. But yeah. Where are you based in the states? Phoenix. Gotcha. Yeah. Reminds you of home. It's it's very similar <laughs> climates. Well, yes. I'd say this. There's very a lot. I went to a Phoenix Coyotes game, uh, and there were a ton. Oh yeah, of Canadians there. It's incredible, um, and they had Tim Hortons in the. Yes, arena. they do. Now. Canadian, yeah, the, just, uh, just Phoenix Open is always no, it's, huge. Oh, it's overrun crazy. by Canadians. Everybody's like Timmy's. Yeah, 100%. it's great. Um, the line was like out the door. Oh in yeah, the concourse no, it's it. it's incredible. Um, it, yeah, the, the I've been to a couple of Canucks games, and you know Canucks will score half the arena stands up, and then Coyotes score the other half will stand up. <laughs> so it's it's pretty crazy. Well, we'll, well, I promise we'll get off the, the Canadian topic. But last thing, you just played in the World Cup of Golf <laughs> yes. down in Melbourne last yeah, we week, did. representing yeah. Canada yeah. at Metropolitan. What was that experience like? That was incredible. Um, I was lucky enough to play two years ago as well um, at Kingston Heath. So 
Uh, I know you guys have done some trips down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty special area for golf. There's still um, a chalk outline of Neil at at uh, Metropolitan. Metro. We're at <laughs> behind the 18th green. I I got just, dominated. And you get stuck there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was just hot. Back and forth <laughs> and, and just a lot of bunker shots. <laughs> Didn't go well. Well, it, the sand. You can, I yeah. don't know how, know how much you guys were in the bunkers a past lot. week, but <laughs> a lot. I, this, I don't think you can be anywhere else in that golf course. Let's be real. Yeah, the ball just goes on the green and then it finishes Seriously. in sand. Seriously. But like all the bunkers have varying levels of sand, and yes. you have no almost oh, no idea. Yeah, it was incredible. Is uh, that how much of a true has? I mean, for you guys, like that is a perfect challenge. No, hundred percent. And and the way they the the rakes that they used were sort of a a thicker rake than what we normally use on tour. So um, I know you've heard uh, like a lot of guys, I think Jack Nicholas has talked about this, one of the more um, prominent people, but you know, bunkers are supposed to be hazards and the way we usually play them, they're sort of like perfect and easy to get out of and you can spin it like crazy. And um, it certainly was not the case down at uh, Metro last week. Um, I mean, it was like, yeah, you had some thick lies and then you had some lies that you were scared you'd blade it out of there. So you played it differently and it came out a certain, I mean, it was, um, and of course, every green is surrounded by him. So if you didn't hit that well, you were not getting up and down very many times. How different is playing as a, like a twosome as a team? Is it more pressure? Is it different when you have that Canadian flag on your back, or is it? Who was your partner, by the way? Nick Taylor. Okay. Yeah, I took Nick Taylor. So we grew up in the same city, mm-hmm. um, in Abbotsford, same home golf course, which is pretty crazy. Um, but it was great. Um, but it does add a little bit more pressure. Um, that alternate shot is. Just a, a ridiculous format. Um, you know, you, you miss miss one offline, and you know you almost start. You just immediately start kicking yourself because um, you don't want you don't want to put your partner uh, in a bad position. But do you say sorry? <laughs> no, we say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we were really good this week. Actually, we we obviously we played really well. We finished fourth. Uh, we were both on top of our game, and uh, anytime I hit a terrible shot. Um, you know, he hit a nice recovery and I was able to make it a, a nice putt to kind of save us and, and vice versa. So it, it worked out really well. I got a question about Melbourne. We, a town known for coffee. Yes. Are you a coffee guy? No, I'm not. No. Unfortunately. Moving it, on. It been, yeah. <laughs> Next yeah, no, I mean, um, no, it would have been be great if I, yeah. I've actually never really had a cup of coffee in my life. So. Was that, so you've been down there before because you were, you should check it, you ago. should check it out by the way. I should try it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I feel really like, yeah. I feel like I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm too late to the game at this point. Yeah. Like if I get started now and I'm just, yeah. yeah. If you've made it this far, don't get caught Seriously. up in it now. Well, but, yeah. awesome. So what do you, on the road, uh, a lot of free time, like what do you do? What's your, you got a hobby? Um, well, my wife and I travel with our dog. What kind of dog? Yes, we got a, he's a Cavapuchon. I, I don't yeah. know. The, no, don't I know. know. He's a, he's a <laughs> huge designer breed. No. Um, he's a, um, a semi, I'm pretty sure he's inbred. Um, cause he's a bit, uh, spacey. Yeah. That's a good word for yeah. it. Yeah. I was um, like, does that mean the same in dog breeding? Yeah. As it does in human? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> GMO dog. Well, he, he, he just, you know, he's, recently started chasing shadows like his own shadow so uh, we're a little bit worried about him that's where we think the inbred comes in but um he, he no he's a really great dog travel so that takes up a lot of our time outside so of the golf pretty course. small dog yes he's 25 pounds okay yeah so we just take What's him on the plane name? uh brad brad I love, I love human names full name, full name bradford love so you know he's brad but when he's in trouble he's bradford sure um but he, he's great so we just try and keep it as as similar to home as possible. All right. Well, we're uh, we're gonna head out and shoot some video stuff with you. I think Let's if you do don't, it. if you got the time. Yeah, and uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry, it was a short one, but no. uh, we're glad we squeezed you in. And you uh, best of luck next year. My pleasure. Thanks, Cheers. guys. All right. Now welcoming in Dylan Meyer, aka DJ Defunk, 
we need to hear the story behind that. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier with other DJ here, but you, this has just been mystifying DJ Pie for a long time. Yeah, I've been uh, as soon as I heard the nickname DJ Defunk, I was like, we need well, we need to dig more into that. We need to <laughs> find out what that guy's DJ Roaz. And Correct. DJ Ro- which is what return on ad spend? Return on ad spend. Right. Yeah. Because I'm helping my clients at Google re- achieve unprecedented results. <laughs> but that's that's for something t- another time. Go ahead. DJ Defunk. How did the nickname come about? What's it what's it mean? Yeah, there was a lot of questions in there. <laughs> He's like, what the hell did I just get myself into? Um, so in high school, uh, I worked with a guy. Um, his name's Alex Wayman, who was a radio personality in Evansville um, for a long time and he was on the DJ scene for a while, so a couple under twenty one nightclubs opened up, and you know I started going with him to a few of them, and you know one thing led to another. I started really enjoying music and loving music, and um, yeah, I just started doing it there. And then me and him have remained best friends for a long time, and he gave me the the name, the stage name, <laughs> however you want to call it, um, and it just stuck. So everyone either calls me DJ or Funk or whatever they want to call me really any kind of mixture of those so what's your what would you say your style is whatever they wanted to hear man (laughs) it could be it could be a walk a flock a mixtape let it roll or you just play a whole mix uh, are you a mashup specialist or more of a no i just no i'm dubstep no not dubstep man that stuff drives me insane (laughs) so we're getting closer to the source here yeah it's it's more of like hip-hop and stuff stuff you'd hear at like at a under twenty one club or at like a college bar, you For know sure. you don't hear much EDM. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be like your kind of your top music that you'd play. Okay. Anything? Any originals? Any Just, originals? Yeah. There's pure, a few. There's a few mashups. Yeah. That Alex has made and then I've played yeah. through through the time and they they've gotten some pretty good. Well, we're talking ideas. maybe we're always looking to diversify Pro Trash Holdings. Maybe we start a record label. We, we could possibly talk to you. We'd love to do a little release. We'll, we'll run that through your team. But <laughs> we'll take it offline. Yeah, what we'll do you take think it offline. Yeah. I think a record deal could be. What do you think of our audio setup here with Mike's <laughs> yeah. Jake? How do you feel about the Yeah, don't touch that mic. That mic could fall over at any <laughs> <Yeah>. moment. <laughs> Uh, for the listeners that may not know much about you, can you kind of give us a background, how you got into golf, and what uh, what is your career has been like to date? Right. So I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up playing golf with my dad and my grandpa. They had, a, they had a small league out at one of the public golf courses they played in on Thursday nights, and I'd just go out there with them after school and play golf ever since I was five. So it it really started to pick up whenever I got to be 10 years old. I started to kind of realize that, you know, baseball is not my thing. Um, and golf was a little bit better than the other sports. And I got my first scholarship offer my freshman year of high school. And that's kind of when it really just sealed the deal. And I said, this is what I have to do. I mean, I got my scholarship offer to a D1 program. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of venture down this road. And, you know, I chose Illinois. Uh, to go there eventually and you know I had a pretty good career there under coach small and you know learned how to be a professional then so it made it a little bit easier of a transition now and you know and after playing eight or nine events on the PGA tour it's been it's been nice to to see how that learning experience was able to be able to be carried over to today and how I've played well in some events what's that transition been like I mean what kind of status do you have what do you, how are you getting into events what's what's your kind of plan for the next year and everything going forward so this past summer what I've been doing is going off of exemptions you know I've hopefully done a couple Monday qualifiers but I didn't qualify so just basically off of the uh, exemptions I've played in um, you know 
the travel has been one of the things that's been a little different. You know, that's one thing you weren't prepared for. I mean, college, you get a small sample of what it's like, but you get two or three days back in campus, fly out again. But this is just week to week to week to week. Um, it's really, uh, it's a seven day work week. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. Um, but you know, I'm just, I've just been embracing it, you know, seeing all different types of places, different golf courses and meeting new people. So, uh, this whole journey has been, been great. Question. So when you were a freshman, you got a scholarship. Mm -hmm. Was that to Illinois? No. Where was it? To Ball State. Ball State. Yep. And then when did the Illinois one come through? Uh, that came through my late my junior year, going into my like the summer before my senior year. Okay. So then I committed on that same phone call that coach offered me because there was no way anyone else was better <laughs> yeah. than what I was getting. So when you're a freshman, did you take like? Because I always wonder this with as people get scholarships younger and younger now. Do you take the Ball State? You say verbally like, yeah, hey, I'll I'll go there, and then you kind of can just decommit right like right you can do that but there there's a thing there's like this unspoken rule of it's like a gentleman's handshake if you verbally commit you're going sure you're going to sign that deal and that's just kind of the thing that i thought about whenever me and my dad were talking it's like i don't want to verbally commit and lock myself in because i'm going to stay to my word if i'm saying i'm going somewhere i'm going somewhere sure um but you know i just kind of waited until the last minute and you know luckily Coach Small called right at that last minute, and I just made this decision to go there. Yeah, and then now, so you're a lot of travel. Are you operating out of Evanston? Evansville. Evansville. Excuse yeah. me. Evanston. You're talking different about vi the different yeah. vibe. Other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're talking about the sister school. God, yeah, his eyebrows just it. got raised. Neil, Neil yeah. the air. Uh, I'm talking about Chicago's big ten school. We can edit that. I'm no, taking a little bit up that. there. We need to keep that. We need to. You need to own up to your mistakes here. Accountability. What's the year of accountability? Be that as Do you find it hard to get to and from? Like, do you fly to Chicago? Then, at like, is that add a lot to the travel? Do you think? Uh, so it's only like an hour flight to Chicago, okay. hour flight to Atlanta. So okay. it's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, the flights are great. You can get out at like six or seven o'clock in the morning, okay. which is not t airports five minutes from my house. The yeah. TSA takes two minutes, mm -hmm. if that, cause it's a small airport. So it's really not a, not a bad deal. Cause then whenever I come back, I can just fly into home and be home in five minutes. So it's. For me, it's been great, and then like majority of the tournaments in the Midwest, yeah, I can drive to. Like Indianapolis is two and a half hours, St. Louis is two and a half hours, Nashville is two and a half, Chicago six. So it's not like I'm yeah. way out of proportion with the schedule. Are you a uh, Sky Miles guy? I am. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Medallion status. Medallion status. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> that makes life easy. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, we, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open this past year, but I want to know, you played in several professional events as an amateur. I want to know about like, the first time you teed it up in a pro event as an amateur. What did you expect going into it? Did you know where your game stood in relation to the professionals? Was that a big question mark for you, and what were the nerves like? Um, I didn't know where I stood against professionals because I obviously haven't played right. against professionals. So it was good to get a test because I played the John Deere Classic. Um, it was, I was playing okay. I wasn't playing great. So I was up to the challenge of seeing if I could compete at a high level with not having my A game going into the event. And if I could rise to the occasion and I, I didn't, I fell short by a couple shots, but it showed that cause I played pretty awful. I played pretty bad for the way I like to play. And it showed, I think I missed a couple, like two or three shots and I felt like I played really bad and I missed the cut by only two or three that I could play this game for a living. So it gave me confidence moving on and 
once I played in that, I was able to, like I said, gain the confidence to play well in my season in college, knowing that I could fit in at any point in time on the PGA Tour web.com against the best in the world. Was there was there debate about that? Because I mean, you had a you had a stud college career, obviously, but you know, was there debate on whether you wanted to to go pro or no? What was I, that? I needed to stay four years. Yeah. Um, you know, just being under Coach Small. And, le- and the idea of leaving early just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's been around the block so many times. He understands how to play. He still plays professionally. And, you know, just to learn from him for four years and being with him every day and, and being with the team, you know, that camaraderie to everyone making you better. Because I had my teammate Nick Hardy mm. with me for four years, and, you know, I never wanted to get beat by him. And so we always just kept pushing each other. And once I, if I would have left – I wouldn't have had anyone challenging me to get better. And now that we've both graduated, we're both in the same position of starting out. Now we want to keep one-upping each other still. And it's a it's a great friendship that we have because when we get on the course, we're, we're button heads. But when we're off the course, we're best friends. What is it, you know, when you go out for your first few professional tournaments, one, what is your game like? From what I understand, you're not a prototypical bomber style. Are you intimidated at all by how far guys hit on the tour? You don't don't even pay any attention to it at all? What's that transition been like? Um, you know, I played with Cameron Champ in college. I mean, guys in college hit the ball. Yeah, that's very true. Well, it's yeah. just a matter of can they get in the hole? And they Some of them just can't. You know, mm-hmm. their short game is kind of – kind of lack and you know that's where I made my jump is because I made my short game my insurance policy and made it my strength because mm-hmm. um, I don't hit it very far off the tee so I don't really look at those guys and be intimidated by how far they hit it because I know I can hit my two hybrid better than they can hit a seven iron so that's just the way I look at it you proved um, that today against DJ <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. so I don't I just have a, a bunch of confidence in myself um, and for me to be out there and to stay in my own bubble is the best way for me to be successful. What's it like? I mean, in the tour truck, when you're trying to get like two hybrids bent the way you want them, are the tour guys like, I don't know, I've never done a two hybrid for somebody. What's that like? Uh, so I real I haven't changed my hybrids. Okay. Um, since my sophomore year of college, so I have the same ones. They're my faithful. I love them to death. Can't hit anything better. So I just always stick with those. So I haven't had any problems with that yet. And then, so you turned pro this year and right before the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. correct? And you finished 20th. Mm-hmm. What was that week like? I mean, was that, was that, were you kind of like, oh, this is going to be easy. The rest, the rest, if I got 20th at the U.S. Open, the rest of this is going to be easy. No. <laughs> uh, after playing the U.S. Open, I was mentally drained and going into the Travelers uh, that entire week. I was like, man, this is what professional golf is after playing a major. It's like, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard if I'm playing three or four weeks in a row. Um, and then you hear stories of guys playing 13 weeks in a row. You're like, how in the world do you do that? Because I know after playing the U.S. Open, and I needed a break. And, you know, that was just one professional event. But now that I've kind of understood how to manage my time and um, manage my energy, um, I've been able to learn how I can keep myself, you know, playing at a high level for a long period of time. Because um, that first tournament, the U.S. Open, I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to try that. I want to do this. And you know, it just wears you down. You don't realize it until you're done. What do you think What do you think allowed you to play so well that week? I had zero expectations. I, I, <laughs> I was in awe of everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of, you know, the big stands, the people coming out and 
And once I I played my practice round, I played one with Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Steve Stricker. It's like, okay, I knocked out all the big guys out of the way. So if I get paired with one of them, I'm okay. I yeah. already know them. So it's like, so what's the worst thing that can happen now, you know? So I just kind of took that as a positive and spun it my way. And, you know, I just took one shot at a time and just soaked it all in. You know, if I could hit a good shot and just kind of build momentum off of the last one and, you know, I'd end up doing fairly well. So so being a, a shorter player on tour, what, what kind of setups – do you look for what what kind of setups excite you on, as far as courses and stuff? Uh, ones where you have to plan out and you have to really use your mental capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the courses that where if you hit it so far, you have to hit a two iron off the tee. Where I'm hitting my driver, so we're in the same spot. Now is we're going to see who yeah, can yeah. play. Yeah, and and I really enjoy that challenge um, of seeing where I stack up against the best players in the world, best iron players, wedge players. Um, so those kind of courses excite me, tree line golf courses, you know, the typical things you see in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where I've thrived in, in my college career and in my professional career. I mean, if you can kind of go back and look, the harder the golf course, the better I've been playing. Um, and that's something I need to start learning how to play the easy golf courses and scoring on those. But I think that'll come with the time of playing as a professional. Yeah. You hear a lot of stories about, you know, guys that play for a long time professionally that don't hit the ball far, then they end up start chasing distance. How disciplined are you, would you say, and and not getting caught up with how far you hit it and not being tempted to try to change anything for more distance? Um, because anytime I've tried to change for more distance, I've sacrificed accuracy. And if I don't have accuracy, I'm not going to play very well because I don't hit it far enough. My swing speed's not fast enough to get it through rough. And, you know, that's just one thing I have to keep learning is I've been successful by sticking to my game plan of how I play. And if I can hit it in the fairway, get it on the green, you know, just keep giving myself chances. Um, and that's what I've been doing, like in Sanderson and even in Vegas. I mean, I just gave myself a lot of chances to, you know, make some birdies. And I had some pretty good rounds going in. That was cool at least to see. I mean, Cameron Champ won Sanderson, but you were right there as yeah. well. The two completely different styles yeah. of golf was pretty interesting contrast to see. So what is your status going into next year? What What's your schedule looking like? What are you going to be doing? Where could people, will people see you next? So I'm playing in the final stage of Q School uh, next week, and then um, I will be the first four events of the web.com. But hopefully through the final stage that I get my status improved. So, you know, basically web.com next year, you know, and I'm playing in the Valspar. Uh, I got an exemption to that from winning the tur- college tournament down in Augusta. Should be a good so, course for you, right? Yeah, I played, like it, I played, played it. it yeah. Yeah, I played in it last year because I won the tournament yeah. junior year. Um, so that's a good course for you. <laughs> yeah, I really like that course. It's a shame I, there's no event in that one. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to get the opportunity to play there again and, you know, get have status somewhere and, you know, get a full lineup of where I'm going to be at. Um, I think if I give myself a full season on a tour, I'm going to be pretty successful and, you know, carry confidence into, you know, the PGA Tour the next season. What do you like to do off the course? Um, I like politics. Yeah? I love politics. It's a good, it's, good time in our history for that. It is. It's <laughs> great. Grab your yeah. popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was that are you poli sci major? Yeah. Making that up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what when you say you like politics, you just watch television or is it you like reading? Is it what is it? Both. Yeah. I mean if I I mean I'll pull up any kind of news article or 
you know, read. I'm the weird kid that reads like the health reports and stuff from like <laughs> San Francisco about like how all that stuff came out the last couple months. It was just the, you know, the um, stuff from Congress. You know, just small things like that, just to keep my time occupied away from golf. Yeah. Um, you know, music's one of those things as well. Like, I can just get my mind off of it and just kind of do that. But there's no real time to do any of it when you're in season. So this off season's been filled with. Uh, filled with some fun stuff yeah imagine see. sitting at airports you're gonna get a lot of reading done over the next yeah <laughs> over the next yep, year that is true yeah what what is the most valuable lesson you feel like you've learned since you've turned professional um i would say that hard work pays off um you know coach always preached about work now play later and he was always referring to work hard in college so you can just have fun and play later and you know your game. And, you know, I took that in my last two years, my junior and senior year, and I'm carrying it over again now because I still need to really work hard on some things that I really haven't nailed down yet. Um, and I feel like that's just so, so valuable to me is just being able to work hard and staying hungry uh, to be the best in the world. And if I get satisfied, I'm not very good. I mean, who is? You know, you kind of just lay back in your chair and, okay, I can show up and, I can do it, but if you keep working hard, then the results are going to show. What is work hard? Work hard can mean a lot of different things, right? Because I think right. at a certain point, just banging 600 golf balls a day isn't productive. So for you, what does right. work hard mean? Um, it means just understanding my my routine. How do I get better? What what are the shots I need to work on? And and it's going to be more of quality over quantity. So like for me recently, what I've been practicing on is. Um, 30 to 100 yards in 10-yard increments, and I've been putting out little cones to land it, and four-yard wide, the separation. If I don't land it in there, then I don't get enough points. So I keep – everything is tangible to me. So if i got to have a point system to know if I'm getting better at something, I do it over the course of time. Um, and, you know, it's just those things that you're able to diagnose what your problem is, where you need to get better at, and just kind of refine those things that you do well already. And it's, like I said, it's quality over quantity. That's like the most, that's like the best practice drill I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never thought of practice in that yeah. way. That's wonderful. Like a point system. What is, what's the most, if at all, what most starstruck you've been at any moment so far since you've turned professional? Crossing paths with Tiger Woods, or has there been any of that at any yeah, point? Uh, yeah, Valspar. I was, uh, see, we are on the short game. It was Tiger, me, and Spieth. I'm like, oh, okay, well, two of the I've best golfers it. in the world <laughs> right here next to me, and then Tiger was right there. Um, so, yeah, I was. that was the one time I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's Tiger Woods. Like, he's real. Like, <laughs> I've never seen him in person, like, but he's right there. And, you know, then saw him at the U.S. Open, uh, talked to him for a minute, and that was, that was pretty cool that he was able to talk. And, I mean, even if it was just five minutes, those are just – great five minutes <laughs> is there anybody specifically you've saw, uh, sought out for advice in any way since you've been out there uh steve stricker okay yeah i mean illinois alum yeah um i've talked to him a little bit here and there through coach small but you know getting out at the u.s open and kind of asking his advice and at the john Deere classic of some things he kind of works on to practice and it's been valuable you know just the small tidbits of how to get better as a professional all right, Dylan, best of luck next week at Q School, and we hope to see you out there for the full uh, full schedule next year on the web.com tour, and we'll see you as, at the Valspar as well. So cool. Best Thanks, of luck. Guys. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank you. Cheers.
Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.